Fear is a frightening thing. In marriage, it usually is an invisible force, like kind of like the winds of a storm. Invisible itself, but threatening and often destructive. However, fear is always extinguished by the steady flame of committed love. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. So we have another helpful episode for you this week. This is episode number 144, and today we're going to be talking about how fear impacts our marriages and what we can do as spouses to help with that. Hey there. Before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we talked about when introverts marry extroverts, something that we actually have quite a bit of experience with. Indeed. Anyways, that was a fun episode. Make sure you check that out and also be sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And remember, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. So let's get into this topic for Linda, fear and how that impacts marriage. This is a little bit of a deeper episode today. Okay. So I need you all to put your um, your nerdy glasses on and stay with me here. Oh, all I right. thought I was going to have to like bring you back down to earth every once in a while. Well, that might help too. Uh-huh. And in fact, that probably would. I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> get it? Yep. All right. So when we're talking about fears in marriage, we want us to kind of start with this issue like is this fears about me or fears about you? So are they fears that I carry inside myself or something that makes me afraid from you, right? Okay. And this is important. And of course, when we're talking about fear, we're not talking about abusive situations where you legitimately fear your husband. Okay. That's that's yeah. all separate cup of tea. But I think that we all carry some fear in our hearts at some level. Every mm-hmm. human being does. In fact, I would go so far as to say that the more confidence that you see in a person, the more likely you are to be seeing fear issues being covered up. So this episode may be particularly relevant to those of us who feel that we really don't need to hear it. Mm -hmm. And if that's you today, I may just burst your bubble gently because I've discovered in my own life and in watching other people that often confidence is a protective coping stance against the insecurity and the fear that deeply troubles us. So there's going to be some food for thought here today. Hmm, Yeah. What? Not sure that I agree with you already. You don't like it or you don't agree with it? Don't ask that question. <laughs> You're afraid of what I might say. Yeah. Ah, very insightful. So most of us carry one or two kinds of fear. Either uh, we have some level of fear that is really about ourselves, fear of rejection mm-hmm. or fear of abandonment or fear of not being good enough or fear of being unworthy of love and affection. Isn't fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, isn't that coming from you? Like I'm scared that you will reject me or you will abandon me. So if I've exhibited that kind of behavior towards you, then yeah, that's about my behavior and your fearful response, right? But if you experience this in your family of origin and then you marry a secure person, like who is not going to leave you, Um, and you still carry this fear, then this is a fear that's about yourself, not the other person. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. The other kind of fear though is a fear about our spouse or significant others in our lives. Fears of intimacy, afraid to get too close to you or fears of dependency. So now these are fears that are pointed much more outward. A fear of dependency would be afraid to trust or afraid to count on someone. And although these are also fears that we carry within ourselves, they're different from the previous in that they're indicative of our models of the other person. Right. 
So once again, we are recording in a campsite and we have campers moving beside us. Oh, and they left. That's good. <laughs> we'll have to put more deodorant on tomorrow. <laughs> yep. So we all carry these models of self and the models of others. And they're basic, they're like these basic, nearly instinctive ways of relating to the humans around us based on either how we see ourselves or how we see other people. Okay. And on the other people part, it's about are others reliable? Are they trustworthy? Can I depend on them? And on the self side, it's about am I worthy? Am I lovable? Those kinds of questions. Okay. And these are very deep, but often when folks talk about them, they use very simple language. So for example, for me, I struggle most with the part of myself that asks the question, if you saw me for who I am, would you still accept me? Right. And this is a, so that's a fear of acceptance. Right. Okay. The language is simple, but the impact of that question touches the way I present myself in every social context of my life. So it's, it's very widespread in its impact, even though it's a relatively simple statement. Okay. So these things affect more than just marriage too. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. But they're most obvious inside of marriage with your significant other. Okay. Because that's where you're faced with your fear the most. The crisis of trust, right? Okay. Okay. Yep. So, or another person might say, I just cannot trust other people. And again, it's simple language, but it touches all of their social context too, right? And these deep constructs are indicators of our attachment style, which is something we've talked a little bit about in previous episodes. Our yep. attachment style is the way that we've learned to relate to the significant other people in our life, primarily our spouse, mm -hmm. um, but it also impacts our children. And then to a lesser degree, our closest friends. And then to a lesser degree after that, our social network as well. And about half of, um, I saw statistics, I don't have the reference here, but I saw stats recently that about half of people, 60% are securely attached, which is great. Okay. That's the healthiest style of attachment. And the rest of us um, will fall into one of three categories, but we're going to focus mainly on what we call avoidant attachment because we're talking about fear today. And those with avoidant attachment are insecure about the intentions of their spouse. And they prefer to keep emotional distance in order to keep themselves safe. That's why it's called avoidant. Oh, okay, okay. So often this comes across as a coolness or a distance or it can even be interpreted by the other spouse as rejection. Usually uh, where one spouse is avoidant in their attachment style, you're going to see lower levels of intimacy in that marriage. Okay. Right. And so you can kind of see how this is about your view of yourself. You're not sure what's going to happen. So you're pulling back. It's not because the other person's not trustworthy. Not necessarily. Huh. Right. Okay. And there's also then, not only is there avoidant attachment, but there's also anxious ambivalent attachment style, which is now more about your view of your spouse, whether your spouse is actually like that or not, again. And in this case, because of your view of others, you're not sure how your spouse will respond to you. So you probably feel a strong desire for intimacy, but you fear rejection. If you struggle with low self-esteem and negative self-image, you may discover that this anxious ambivalent is your attachment style. And so this is kind of like the, you know, I often illustrate this as holding up two hands. And one hand is the, the come here signal where yeah. you're beckoning with your finger. And the other hand is the palm straight out that's saying stop. And so this is very confusing for spouses because sometimes the spouse will feel drawn into this person and other times they'll feel like they're being pushed back. Okay. So yeah, it would be hard to get close to this person to be intimate. Yeah. And you're never quite sure which yep. hand you're going to get, yep. so to speak. Huh. Yeah. And then those with secure attachment, they know that their spouses are not perfect, but they're confident that their spouse is available. That's the critical note here. They're confident that their spouse is available and there to support them in times of need. And they understand that their spouse is not only accessible and available, but would generally respond appropriately. Like you don't have to nail it every time, mm -hmm. but will generally okay. respond appropriately. And so people with secure attachment are very comfortable with both closeness and doing things apart from each other. Oh, okay. Because it's secure. It's secure. So you're feeling safe when you're very close, but you also feel safe to leave and go do your thing and come back. Right. It's like this 
nice balance of interdependence and independence, right? Okay. Or, yeah. Or in, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So these attachment styles affect these things. Now, the avoiding and those kinds, they come back to fear, okay? The issue with all of this is that fear impacts how satisfied we are with our marriage. That's why we're talking about this. Yeah. So if you're both securely attached, your marriage is likely to be more stable, warm, and satisfying, and likely to exhibit higher levels of self-disclosure, trust, positive conflict-solving skills, and social support, quoting from the research here. So self-disclosure is just like you're more willing to share. Makes sense, right? Yeah. And the trust is there that you'll have better conflict-solving skills. Mm-hmm. And there's so, more social support around your marriage, too. If you're securely attached. Right. Very interesting. Whereas avoidant relationships... Hey, can we go yeah. on? To that? Like, why? Why is that? Why are you going to have more social support? Is it because you're securing your relationship with others as well? Yes. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah. And that, of course, helps your marriage, right? So you can see yeah. how not having that, it goes the it's other like way, too. It's like a cycle, a vicious cycle. can be huh. difficult, which is why we want to help folks with this. Yeah. Because what we're going to get to at the end is you can shift your attachment style. Ooh. So okay. this may be you now, but don't get all depressed and sign out because we got hope coming soon. So avoidant relationships where there's fear about your spouse, they tend to be more distant and more filled with worry about the security of the bond that's between you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it's not just kind of taken for granted that you can trust that, right? Oh. <laughs> There's a train. <laughs> Almost lost my train of thought there. Oh. So you can see that fretting over the connection, although that may look more like nagging or jealousy or just kind of being needy, right? There's going to be this fretting component over the connection because you're not certain about it. Because you're worried about it, yeah. Right. And yeah. also if you're in this in this condition, like you might find yourself trying to exert greater control or suppression of your own emotions. Why is that? Well, because you're not sure. Out. You don't want yourself to be fully seen. Oh, you're uncertain. you're uncertain about so the security. So you have security. to be guarded. Oh. And oh boy. often as well, then there's reduced frequency and intensity of positive emotions because you can't allow yourself to fully enjoy your spouse because you're protecting yourself from the disappointment that you're anticipating is going to come. Hmm. Right? So see how this all plays together. Yeah. What? So I'm just thinking about, you know, not fully enjoying, like, is this why you don't get really excited about anything? Sometimes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because huh. then there's no disappointment. Wow. So there's now in this attachment style also, there's more frequent and more intense negative emotions because what you really believe to be true happens. Oh, because you kind of make them happen because you yeah, pull back. Yeah, it's kind of predicated and... by it, but yeah. Wow. Okay, interesting. So the, re- the reason why this attachment issue is so important is that attachment style is stronger and a more accurate predictor of relationship quality than personality. Okay, say that again. Attachment style. Yes. Like how you relate to someone. Yes. How you relate to your spouse is a more accurate predictor and a stronger predictor of the quality of your marriage. Yes. Than your personality will be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Like we often think about how huge personality is, right? And all that, but really... Like last week we talked all about it. Right. And, you know, personality impacts stuff. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But this ability to love fully in a secure way with a healthy model of yourself and a healthy model of others. This is a more important predictor. It's a larger factor in the equation. Yeah. Okay. That often folks are missing. So when I'm doing marriage counseling, I'm not working on making personalities get along. I'm working on shifting the attachment in the relationship between the two people. And it's a far more successful approach because it's addressing the core ability of the couple to create and maintain an enjoyable, secure bond between them. So your marriage might be distressed, not because of who your spouse is or what they're like, but because of how this bond functions 
And so shifting the bond, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though we pick on, you know, he's to this or she's to that or whatever. Right. And you notice those details. If you shift this bond, the personality is fine. Right. That's like an episode we did like long, long time ago, Caleb. That's about, no, it's not like you married the wrong person. You just need to make your spouse, in, not make them into the right person, but view them as the right person. It's like a perception. you are married to the right person. Yeah. And we're going to talk about perceptions in a minute too, because okay. fear is a huge factor in influencing perceptions. Huh. Okay. Right? I'm listening. So if you're listening today, you're probably like, oh boy, I got some work to do because my attachment style is getting in the way of creating the kind of marriage I want. So I have a couple suggestions for you today if you're listening. The first is, the first thing you should do is become a patron of our podcast so that you can download and work through the guide for today's episode. It's going to help you uncover your attachment style mm-hmm. and then give you ways to start talking about that with your spouse. So you can begin oh. to work on shifting this thing, right? Interesting. And the second thing I suggest is, you know, give that a shot first. It's very affordable. You can become a patron for a very low contribution a month. But the second thing I suggest is that you consider marriage counseling with me because I can help you create that deep, secure, enjoyable bond in your marriage that you've really been looking for. Mm-hmm. So let's take a quick break so you can hear more about becoming a patron and getting the guide. And also, if you'd like to learn more about marriage counseling, just head over to onlyyouforever.com and click the counseling link at the top of the page. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how fear impacts relationship satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Now, I said I was going to talk about perceptions, and I also want to talk about conflict, two particular areas of marriage that are heavily impacted by fear. So how does fear impact these? Okay, perceptions. Now, because highly anxious people have a strong, and I'm I'm equating anxiety with fear here just for now, Okay. okay? Because highly anxious people have a strong fear of being abandoned or rejected, they show hypervigilance, extreme awareness, alertness Mm -hmm. towards any perceived threats to their relationship. Okay. Which means they tend to notice far more things which could be perceived as a threat. And they show a bias towards interpreting their spouse's actions negatively. So they're on the the alert, they're looking out, they're more likely to interpret it negatively, and they're noticing everything that's happening. And so even minor issues are seen as a threat to the entire relationship. And this is where this becomes very Yeah, that makes sense, hey? If you're already worried about something, you're going to notice the things that point to it. Confirmation bias kicks in, so on and so forth. Yeah. So for those of you with anxiously attached spouses, this may help you to understand how things appear to get blown out of proportion so quickly. Like in your mind, that's how you see this, right? But put yourself in the shoes of your spouse who was raised in a family where security and safety and accessibility to a comforting parent was very unpredictable or maybe not even possible. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I hope, you know, this kind of starts to give you some compassion. If they never had somebody that was there reliably and available Mm -hmm. for them, they had to be on guard all the time. 
That was formative in how they relate to the most important people in their life. Yeah. So, I mean, the good side of this is when they're acting this way towards you, it's telling you you're the most important person in their life. Oh, you, you yeah, wanna, yeah. You know, so that's great, but you want to sh- you want to now be part of helping them shift this, right? Huh. So what makes this even more challenging is that sometimes the anxious spouse will crave comfort and support from you. That might be hard to see, but because they carry the insecurity internally, they tend to be unhappy with the amount of support available from significant others. And they can perceive attempts oh. at support as having hurtful intent. So they're craving the support and comfort from you. And yet they don't think they're getting enough of it. And, and then when they do get it... They're misinterpreting they're mi- it oh sometimes too. Yeah. And and they also probably believe about themselves that their own attempts to support and comfort you aren't very effective. Like they're not very good at it. Because they have... that comfort. Reciprocate, yeah. They don't have this very good model. So now you can see oh. how fear can really impact your perception about your marriage. Because everything is being seen through this lens. Hmm. So if you're the anxious part, anxious spouse listening today, uh, your part is to consider if, you know, as you look at things that your spouse is doing, is my fearful part doing the interpreting or my wise part? And sometimes it just kind of helps to kind of think of these two sides of yourself, right? So when I see you do something yeah, and I get hurt by it, I need to go, okay. Or I see that this might be hurtful. Yeah. Okay. Is this my fear speaking here or is this like wise interpretation of the event? Right. Is my fear interpreting? Hmm. Okay. So you can kind of see things through a lens of fear or see them through a lens that is wisely choosing to trust and to hold on to yourself at the same time. What does that mean? Hold on to yourself. It's the idea of self-compassion and the ability to comfort through yourself through uncertainty. Okay. Right. So not like losing it emotionally. No. Is that what you mean? No. By holding on to yourself? Uh, not kind of letting your that brain train of fear run away on you. Okay. So you're you're comforting, self-compassion. You're noticing the fear in your body. You're aware of that, but you're also telling yourself, hang on, is this really how I need to interpret this? Okay. Or can I give it a different, see it through a different lens? Hmm. That's neat. Yeah. And then there's fear, of course, and it's going to impact conflict. So we have to talk about that. So just notice the gender differences here as we talk about fear and conflict. As you can imagine, fearful relationships cause women to react to conflict with more stress and anxiety and destructive behaviors, while it causes men to display less warmth and support. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think that goes... I would say it could be switched around. Yeah. It could be, yeah. These are general observations from research, okay? Okay. And now you can see, of course, how fear would cause you to spiral into to conflict, right? Mm-hmm. because you got these two things like you're not there for me on one side. She's seeing that. And he's saying, well, you're flipping out and like, just take a pill. Right. Which makes her see that he's not there, which right. makes him. Right. Huh. Okay. So next time you and your spouse are fighting here, this is kind of off the cuff, but try this near the start. Ask, are we, and you can ask this out loud. Are we fighting because we're truly mad or because one or both of us are just afraid? Okay. I may be different than the rest of the world here, Yeah. but if you did that, at the start of a fight, are we fighting because we're truly mad? Or well, hang on. That's like a little woo-woo kind of counseling voice you got going on there. Okay. I'm saying like with some with some like care and sincerity. Are we fighting because we're truly mad? See, I can't even do that with a straight face. <laughs> okay. Try it with a little anger. Are we fighting because we're truly mad? See, then at that point, I'm mad. Yeah, you're already mad. That's why you're fighting. Or is it just because one of us are afraid? Or maybe it's both of us. Huh. So you just went, huh, and you started thinking. Yeah, you said that in a much better tone of voice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Are you arguing with me because you're mad or because you're afraid? No, this is just all kind of new. Haven't heard this before. And that's the thing is like when you throw a new statement like that into an argument, it's going to throw you both off balance, right? So who knows what might happen? That's a good thing. Might fall over. Okay. Just try and fall. 
uphill. <laughs> so let me refer here to a study that shows how fear really comes into conflict. It's going to sound kind of doom and gloom at the start, but I'm also going to give you a way to counteract this challenge. Okay. So this study in 2005, couples were asked to keep diaries for 14 days. And then afterwards, the researchers videotaped them discussing an area of conflict that arose during the 14 days. Okay. More anxious individuals and those with anxious attachments perceived higher rates of conflict and higher tendency for conflict to escalate in severity. Okay. Perceived. Oh, okay. This negative perception of the conflict went on to negatively influence relationship quality. Wow. Okay. Now, people watching them, the observers, they rated anxious individuals as more distressed during arguments and more likely to escalate arguments. So they saw them kind of provoking this too, in a way. So they perceived- They were more distressed and they were more likely to escalate the arguments. Because you're, you're anxious, your nervous system is primed for fight or flight. Yeah. Right? So you're kind of like ready to go when the conflict starts to happen. Okay. It just like poof, you can yeah. get there faster. Okay. Okay. And rightly, of course, the anxious individuals anxious individuals also perceived conflict as leading to more negative long-term consequences in the relationship. So, but this is interesting because now they're kind of in their heads, they're also catastrophizing this with regards to the larger scope of their marriage, where this is going. Oh, okay. Rather than like, this is a one-time incident, we need to get through this. It's like... We can't make this happen. Like, it this goes is not going to work. It goes into bigger things. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, but here's the good news. Anxious, highly anxious people responded to support from their spouse well. So perceiving high levels of support as being predictive of long-term relationship satisfaction, meaning that if they received a high level of support, they saw that it was likely to go better. So when their spouses were able to respond with a lot of support, it changed how they perceived the future of their relationship. Okay. So when they throw at them all these doubts and whatever, and they just respond in love. Yeah. And not only that, but they were a little bit more satisfied with their relationship than the non-anxious crowd when they received high levels of support from their spouse. So when their spouse was really working hard on the support piece, it actually like they were more receptive to how well their marriage was going than people who weren't struggling with this. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So because anxious folks are naturally less certain that the relationship will last, they are more reliant on and more receptive to day-to-day signs of love and support. So that's well, how it is. That, and that's how, like, if you're the spouse on the other side of this, that's how you want to carry your spouse through conflict if they're highly anxious. Like where you're really sending in these strong signals of love and support. Like, yes, we're having this argument, we're disagreeing, but I love you and we're going to get through this. Like we're together. I, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Right. Right. I love you anyways. Right. And as so then as your anxious spouse perceives your unflinching commitment over time, this will begin to shift their attachment from anxious to secure, Wow! which is what we're going to wrap up with. So the last question is like, can attachment style change from fearful or anxious to secure? And attachment, as we've said before, it's formed based on early childhood interactions and friendships, but mainly your relationship with your mother or your primary caregivers. And those those early interactions, and I mean like from babyhood, like the early, the days after which you're born, not months or even, like it does last the first few years. Okay. Right. Okay. But Especially. in the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These form working models in your mind of how relationships are supposed to work, which influences you when you get into an adult relationship. Hmm. But if those are misinformed or misformed, malformed, they can still be changed by the influence of new attachment relationships, such as marriage, and by also taking time to reflect on and reinterpret the meaning of past and present experiences. 
So going back over things hmm. okay, and reinterpreting them positively, which is largely a reference to psychotherapy because I'm quoting a researcher here. And so in marriage though, couples can co-create a new working model of attachment and relationships, which can help them to recover from the effects of negative relationships in childhood. So your efforts to create a workable, healthy marriage now can yeah. shift and undo the difficulties that were brought into these models as a child. They can be healed and recovered. So marriage is a powerful thing. Like love heals. Right. Broken hearts is basically what I'm saying. <gasps> that is beautiful. Good. And when your attachment style shifts to something more secure, you'll also likely see improvements in your self-confidence and your ability to cope with problems. Because remember, so this is about how you're seeing yourself. Yeah. As well as the external. Yes. Huh. And then improving your self-confidence and ability to cope with difficulties is linked to creating a less fearful, more secure view of yourself and your relationship. Now we have a positive cycle going. Yeah. And enhancing your social skills then by doing things like perspective taking, like just really training yourself to have the right perspective on things. Yeah. Uh, developing self-efficacy, which is the belief in your ability to succeed. And improving your ability to mutually resolve conflict can also improve the security of your relationship. So these are things that you can actually do in your marriage to shift this, right? So how do you, how do you enhance your social skills? It's with these things. Perspective taking is one. So, so really just looking at things a different way. Yeah, understanding the role of perception. Okay. And asking yourself, is there a more trusting way to look at this? Oh, this is what we were talking before about is fear interpreting this yeah. or is, yeah. is this wise? Fear and perception, right? Okay, okay. Self-efficacy is your ability to succeed. So that means that I can navigate through in this environment. It's not like succeeding as my job as much, although that's great. Mm -hmm. But like I can successfully find my way through this relationship issue. Okay. And then learning to resolve conflict well. So just developing those skills where things come to resolution rather than being blown up, escalated, and left behind and not really ever fixed. Okay, okay. So these improve the security of your relationship. And then when right. you're in a conflict or if you're in a place where you doubt, you have that security. You don't have that avoidant anxiety. Right. Huh. Adding into all of this. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah, this has been really interesting. So interesting, yeah, but in some ways I think that this is probably a very difficult episode to listen to for many of our listeners. But if, if that's you today, I want to encourage you. You're probably listening because you are in your marriage for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And we all come to marriage messed up somehow, yeah, some way. In different ways. This just happens to be your particular set of challenges. And where marriage is a beautiful thing is when both spouses see the relationship as a garden for cultivating growth and the development of beauty especially hmm. beauty and character. And it's a delightful thing that in a marriage with this goal, as our bodies age, our souls become more beautiful. Wow. So be encouraged. Keep at it. Uh-huh. All right. Let's wrap this up, baby. All right. We'd like to acknowledge two new patrons that have come on board between this recording and our previous one, Cheryl and also Andrea. We appreciate you guys very much. And we appreciate all of our patrons that are helping us to uh, begin to cover the cost of producing the show. Mm -hmm. It is a big, big help. So thank you all so much. Yeah. We also want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us reviews on iTunes since we last recorded. Pinner Envy says, a lifeline when I discovered my husband's affair, five stars. You have saved my sanity and quite possibly my marriage. I found your site when searching for help for myself when I discovered my husband's affair and porn addiction. I can't tell you how valuable your episodes on these subjects have been. God bless you for the work you are doing. Hmm. So our heart goes out to you. Yeah. Not an easy place, but well done for finding resources. and Amen. 
working through it. Keep at it. You guys can heal this. I have seen a lot of marriages come back from the brink, from these very devastating things. And not only that, but seeing them create newer, healthier ways of relating to each other too, that were stronger than, often stronger than folks that have never gone through this. So chin up, keep working on it and uh, may God bless you as well. Next week, honey. We're talking about how to date your spouse again. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, Why is that? Well, because like living in a camper Away from all your normal stuff, normal stuff, support network, our dates have been like hard to do sometimes, non-existent. This is true. And it's actually going to be two episodes. Okay. One is like more on the brain, the neuroscience side of it, which is. That'll be your episode. Which is going to be far more interesting than you think it will be. Okay. And the other side um, is more the behavior side of things. So it's going to be good. Okay, cool. Well, I'll look forward to that. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is all for today's episode. Hey, Folks, I'm going to jump in here because Why? we'll actually be home by the time <gasps> the second one publishes, I think. Okay. That just gave me like butterflies in my tummy. I'm almost So crying. we'll have to go on a date. Yeah. All right. Do you want to sob your way through the end of this? All right. Remember to hold on to yourself. <laughs> oh, yes. So that's all for today's episode. <laughs> you can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 144. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. When we'll almost be home. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.